0: So I have David Hagar here from The World Loves Melbourne. David is a massive influencer and his, I think his website, The World Loves Melbourne, had well over a million visitors many, many years ago. So I'm not sure how that all has changed with the social media and and Instagram. So, world domination. World domination. <laughs> uh, the one thing I love about The World Loves Melbourne is that it's, it really comes from a heart of celebrating... Melbourne coffee culture and fashion and sports and entertainment. Did you want to... David will tell us a little bit about it. Tell us about the vision.
1: uh, Celebrate your city. I mean, recently I've been to a couple of uh, restaurants where they're not in the spotlight, but um, they're heroes in the birds. And I I just love to just highlight those places and, um, um, yeah, bring out the best of Melbourne. Celebrate Melbourne. Love your city. That kind of vibe.
0: That's great. And obviously we... um, we've known each other for a long time and, and I'm coming from a <clears throat> very much a coffee perspective. What is it about Melbourne coffee culture? Because I've noticed it's not just us. If you do a Google search of Melbourne coffee, you find articles from, you know, the New York Times and all over the world saying that Melbourne really is a coffee crazy city and leading the world in coffee. What do you think makes, you know, makes Melbourne coffee culture what it is today?
1: Well, you got to love the Melbourne coffee culture. It's very distinctive. And guess one of the things you look at is that um, visitors to Melbourne it's one of the first things they they talk about Um, if you're talking to an international visitor whether it's here in Melbourne or you you run into someone in overseas um, which I have first thing they talk about is the the Melbourne coffee Um, of course they talk about the weather as well but um, (laughs) they talk about Melbourne coffee as being a a standout and um, to be honest it's pretty hard to get a bad coffee in Melbourne I mean Someone who's, uh, uh, I guess, a science geek in coffee, you'd probably say, yes, there's bad coffee here, there's bad coffee there. And undoubtedly, there is bad coffee to be found somewhere, but the overall standard is very high. It is actually fairly difficult to get a shocking coffee in Melbourne. Totally agree. If if you're making shocking coffee, you're not going to be in business long because people are used to drinking great coffee. And it's it's part of people's uh, sort of daily ritual. Um, You know, if you work in the city, you just see... um, sort of congregations of people gathered around baristas um, early in the morning. And um, yeah, it's just part of, okay, my day starts with a with a great coffee. Um, I might slip out later for another coffee. Um, it's just part of Melbourne life. Um, it's as Melbourne as the MCG, the Melbourne coffee culture. And I, I just think compared to other cities, uh, Melbourne coffee culture stands out. I mean, not to put down Adelaide, but uh, I think Adelaide's on the rise as well. Um, but I had a friend, a business friend went to Adelaide and stayed in the hotel and um, <clears throat> was just out of, out of the city and uh, they came down to reception and said, look, you know, just arrived in Adelaide, where can I get a great coffee? And the uh, person on the counter said, look, um, there's coffee in your room. And they said, yeah, but that's instant coffee. That's not really a great coffee. Uh, and so the uh, person on the reception said, oh, so you want a fancy coffee? Oh, there's a roadhouse across the road that does fancy coffee. And that, that was kind of the take. Oh. So I'm thinking, <laughs> I mean, Adelaide, the laneways are starting to develop it now. And, um, but uh, in Melbourne, uh, you're probably not going to hear a conversation. No, around. no, no.
0: <laughs> no truck stop recommendations here. That's right. Although I've noticed the, the queues at Seven Eleven for the $1 coffee is really, um, really growing at the moment. So yeah, there's,
1: that's an interesting phenomenon. I don't. I have
0: barista friends who go to 7-Eleven because it's just coffee for them <laughs> it's fr- and I'm a bit surprised but I think there really is something about convenience and yeah, consistency like having the same quality every time because it's from a machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, do we rope that into the Melbourne coffee culture? I'm not sure but I, I do know people. I, I don't sort of do that myself but I know people that frequent the 7-Eleven because isn't it like one or two dollars? One dollar or something? One dollar, <clears throat> and people swear by sort of the standard of coffee for one dollar. Yeah. is pretty good. I mean, um, I don't blame them. If you're getting it, you might not get the best coffee in town, but for a dollar, you're getting a hit, and it's not too bad.
0: You um, mentor, coach cafes. You manage their social media. Yeah. Restaurants. Is there is there something that you know? I, I, I imagine when you're helping cafes and restaurants to grow you want to sometimes you want to tell them what to do and you can't because you know <laughs> you're not the business owner you can only recommend what to do what what would you in an ideal situation what would you employ in a cafe to to grow in That's melbourne
1: good question i mean pearls of wisdom just flow from my mouth no no i do <laughs> i do see a few things uh, in my travels and i've uh, probably been to probably I don't know, 500 cafes or something. I've been to literally thousands of cafes and restaurants in Melbourne, literally, uh, from eating out several times a week over the years. Um, But, you know, when it comes to cafes, uh, there's a lot of romance around them, but there has to be a bit of discipline as well. Um, They have to have really good coffee. They have to have great coffee. Um, They have to source great coffee. And people want to know where the coffee comes from. Yeah. Um, people get attached to brands, people or, or, you know, brands, labels of coffee that um, certain uh, coffee um, roasters in Melbourne and, and, and brands have a, have a following. And um, and there's people that don't like other sort of brands. So people are a bit picky and choosy. So you, you have to have great coffee, but also an excellent barista. I, had a, I was speaking to someone a few days ago who works in the city, a senior consultant in a large firm. They were telling me how they they go for coffee in the morning. If it's a certain barista on... He tells me it's a ninety-five percent great coffee, Yeah. and he'll he'll get that coffee. But if it's the other person on, it's only eighty-five percent good coffee. So they will go somewhere else. So that person wasn't prepared to compromise on what they saw as an eighty-five percent coffee. Yeah. So you want a consistency <clears throat> from a cafe. You don't want sort of. And the trouble is with some of these cafes is they get bought and sold quite a bit. Yeah. Some of the popular cafes we don't always appreciate that probably bought and sold three, four, five times. Some of them and uh there can be a uh, it's common in hospitality to have a large turnover of staff i know certain cafes that are successful and one of their secrets is they've been able to keep a team together i mean not totally but some sort of core together Mm. for several years and they have um baristas they they're good baristas they look after them good staff in the cafe they look after them um they have some sort of career progression or whatever and they really look after them staff get togethers etc the morale's high they treat them well they pay them properly just saying, and um, you know, if they keep a core together, because there are people that will come to a cafe and recognise the staff, they'll build up a relationship over time, and that's part of the reason why they go there is this yeah. sense of community, this sense of connection. Uh, they're just not they're not just going to a cafe because it's got a great name. There's more to it than that. Um, but I think coffee, also the um, menu items at the cafe. I mean. Um, if you're running a cafe, there's certain things that have a good profit margin. Uh, burgers have a good profit margin. Smashed avocado has a great profit, uh, profit margin. I mean, what is it? It's just smashed up avocado, some lemon, etcetera, some toast, <laughs> and egg. I mean, it's not you know uh, a huge uh, cost. Um, there's certain things um, have a good margin, and um, people are looking for um, excellence in produce. They're looking for local, seasonal, sustainable produce. They're looking for imaginative. Menus, uh, something a bit more than the plain, sort of breakfast. They like all-day menus, things like yeah, that, I mean. Yep. People love all-day menus, um, affordable prices. And also, uh, a lot of the menus these days are Instagram-friendly. People <laughs> love to take photos of their food. Um, they love to be, uh, you know, celebrating, I guess, the, the coffee culture. But um, I reckon some of the cafes um, really have this in mind. They just about every dish, with edible flowers and... Uh, colorful as well as tasty visual comes into it yeah something visually great even cafes themselves uh, the ambience of them I think um, people that invest in in a good fit out or as well sometimes people can over but I think uh, something of a bright cafe a, a bright welcoming cafe the staff the engaging and friendly and um, not, not uh, standoffish all these things make a difference and, it, and you can tick some boxes And in my travels, uh, I think I'm able to see what sort of works, what doesn't work. Maybe I should be more of a consultant, but I, yeah, I just think um, there's a proliferation of cafes in Melbourne right now. And um, I think cafe owners need to evolve and not just be set in their ideas and not prepared to change. I think you have to be prepared to change because the times are changing and the the cafe scene is evolving.
0: That's great. there's so much stuff there that's so helpful and and I want to come back to a little bit. Um, one of them is just a really specific narrow question about uh, the visual stuff. Do you think the coffee machine and grinder is important? Do you find that people see the llamamazoko or the Seneso coffee machine, or is it or, or is that not so important?
1: I love a big shiny red llamamazoko <laughs> oh, that's great oh, yeah. I'm happy. I like you more now. Uh, yeah, look, um, it's interesting. There are quite a few uh, um, photographs people take on their phones, etc., of coffee pouring, coffee, and even coffee machines. Um, but I don't know if it's quite as weighty as it was, sort of five years ago. Everyone was like, "You see these articles? Oh, they got a Mazoka it like machine. It's worth I don't know what are they worth twenty grand or something." Uh, it used to be like a big point in an article, but now it's like assumed you got something like that. I think if you. I mean, most cafes have pretty good heavy artillery, coffee coffee artillery. Um, So I think it was a bit of a showstopper years ago, but now it's almost assumed you're going to have something pretty decent. Um, Yeah.
0: Sounds good. I feel sometimes a little bit nervous about the number of cafes in Melbourne. They literally doubled every five or ten years, the number of cafes um, in Melbourne, and I think it's – It's also become more difficult, I think, to make a profit simply because the number of customers, you know, as a volume of population is, I think, being spread out over more cafes. The cost of milk is going up because of demand for unhomogenized biodynamic milks. The cost of coffee has gone up because of, you know, specialty single estates and micro lots and... The wages are going up and rentals going, right. up. So are going up, so everything's going up. going up. And, I mean, people are definitely not stopping buying coffees. But right. what can people do? Do you think are there signs? Are there signs of a tipping point, <laughs> or are we going to continue to see ten years of of growth in cafes? Are we going to have a cafe in your lounge room soon? And
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's a proliferation of cafes in Merl when You almost think it's oversubscribed. You always hear about the new launch. <clears throat> it's very exciting and it's great. And then you have the, the, the new launch cafe, which people will go to and try um, and have a honeymoon period. I have huge respect for those cafes in Melbourne, like Manchester Press um, and others, uh, even somewhere like Cumulus. Yep. Um, it was a bit of a game changer. And some of these cafes that have been going for years are still highly successful. Um, I have huge respect for them because there are a lot of cafes well, there's a number of cafes that just close down silently, you don't hear a lot about it a lot, a lot, a lot <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like oh, what's happened here well, some of them get sold but some of them just fade out and uh, you feel sorry <clears throat> for people that invested in those cafes <clears throat> but it, uh, you also see the rise of um, institutions institutions that take on uh, groups of cafes or restaurants I'm seeing more of that and they can achieve sort of economies of scale um which gives them a bit of a price advantage, uh, operation advantage. So you're seeing more of that. There are risks to some of that as well, because you want the personable touch. If it's owned by a large institution, people want to know, are we still getting that personable touch? Um, But uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a good question. I I think the cafe scene will stay strong, but a lot of people have a romantic idea. They want to give it a crack, which is great, but gee... It's hard work. Oh, yeah, it's hard work. It's a lot of hard work for the money they make. And I, I uh, know cafe owners that are making quite a bit of money on it, on Melbourne cafes with Melbourne cafes, but others that are just slogging it out um, for nothing. Just yeah, working long hours. So, feel for them so uh but i think it's probably always going to be the case to some extent but i think there's some rationalization is occurring and yeah
0: definitely i don't think we i don't think the consumer sees the the pain and the and the turnover I'd, i'd say almost every three years you know, 50 to 80% of the cafes are changing hands. Um, and there are the, there, there are the big famous ones, whether it's three bags or cumulus that are just busy for 10 years. Um, but uh, the vast majority, there are some often more staff than customers. When I drive past cafes, just driving through Melbourne, um, it's hard to find your niche. I found that you know, it's not just good foot traffic and yeah. and great coffee. It's also having something new. And that's one of the things I, yeah. I wanted to ask you from a media perspective. <clears throat> I personally noticed a shift from where can I find a good coffee? That was the big question in the 90s and to early 2000s. You had yeah, websites yeah. like Bean Hunter where people would say, or, or Foursquare where you'd go, here is a good coffee and I would literally drive 20 minutes to the other side of the city to get a good coffee from Padre or a good coffee from yeah. St Ali and and you've already touched on the fact that now everywhere is, is great coffee, almost everywhere. So... It's moved from the question being where can I find a good coffee to where is the latest place that's doing deep-fried bagels and good coffee? <laughs> Where's the latest yeah, that's place good. that's doing butter bean co- co- cookies and, ba- and bagels and coffee? So it's become sort of a ultra-niche-focused, hyper-fancy yeah. sort of demand for new things,
1: is it? Yeah, it's true. Melbourne loves new things. Melbourne loves bespoke. Bespoke, that's bespoke, it. Bespoke, bespoke, <laughs> <laughs> all the above. Um, so you had League of Honest Coffee <clears throat> there in Melbourne. I used to go often in the mornings. Right next to, I think, Illy Cafe, across Uh the road. And it turned out Starbucks and places like Starbucks Illy Cafe, Melbourne doesn't necessarily go for chains. Uh, They like the uh, bespoke um, situation. And um, we are seeing more niche. We're seeing possibly micro niche. That's what I was trying to get to. We're seeing micro niche. I mean, some of the cafes now um, are completely different menus than years ago. I know one cafe that changed from kind of being a massive burger cafe to, to now wellness bowls. Wow. So I, I, went, I went along there, really need a sort of a, you know, three patty high, monster burger, and they offered me a <laughs> wellness bowl. I hadn't hadn't seen the change coming, and all the all the, the guy was telling me how he's kind of lost a lot of weight and you know, he's <laughs> on like this new path, and I'm like, I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm hearing it. Um, so um, yeah, look, um, yeah, a lot of the cafes now have some pretty good healthy choices. You're seeing more kale and yeah, you know. Um, <clears throat> wellness bowls, green bowls, um, et cetera, et cetera. Rice bowls. Rice bowls. And, and I think it reflects the population. There's a, obviously more awareness. Um, but then in Melbourne's funny because people will uh, eat that but then they'll binge on burgers. That's what I find. I've talked to people. Uh, I'm interested to know what the listeners think. But um, you might be going to the gym. I know some of the burger bloggers in Melbourne, they work out at the gym five times a week or something. And they look, they look great. They look, But they'll eat burgers. It, and it's... Um, yeah, people will, it's interesting, people eat burgers and they'll eat healthy. Or well, some people just, just eat healthy and um, they expect um, cafes now to have vegetarian options big time. A lot of the, my clients, they have... They, and they, vegan? Yeah, vegan options. Yeah, absolutely. And because this reflects the population and what people want. And so there's a kind of a micro niche thing going on.
0: Is there any secret formula to promoting a new cafe? It used to be an article by Broadsheet. Um, Is it hiring an Instagram manager? Uh, What what, what would you do? What would you recommend? Like if if it was 50 grand or five grand, what what would you say people should do to succeed in terms of the media? Or is it just the Zocco in the window going to bring the customers in?
1: No, people used to think it was word of mouth. Um, but you, you can't rely on word of mouth even if you've got a good product it still needs to be promoted um, yeah I think a new cafe needs uh, a lot of promotion um, they need uh, I mean a lot of the cafes they, they get PR agencies Okay. Um, but you know maybe get some bloggers in people got different views on that but um, people that are, have profiles on Instagram but one of the things I would say to cafes is you need to be great on Instagram yourself as well um I was with a business the other day, virtually nothing on Instagram. And I was saying to them, look, I can come in and promote you, but you need your own um, profile on Instagram. Because um, people
0: might read an article, but then they're going to click on the yeah. Instagram link and yeah. see some rubbish. <laughs>
1: That's right. And they need the backstory, not just obvious pictures of dishes, but maybe the action in the kitchen, a few videos. Um, co- uh, content is king. And um, that makes a big difference. I mean, if it goes viral on social media, um, Brings everyone into the yard. You know what I mean. It's uh, so um, quality content. You know, chefs are some of the worst people at social media. They take blurred pictures in the kitchen, steam everywhere, and you're trying to make out what's that dish. Like I tell, I tell chefs, just stick to what you're good at. Um, but these days it's not just enough to just hold up your phone and take a bit of a snap. It has to be planned. It has to be a strategy. You need two or three themes or something like that in your social media, and it needs to be showcasing. People immediately look at your social media, it should showcase and tell the story of your business. It's no good just putting up a half-baked picture off a phone, unless it's the latest iPhone maybe it takes pretty good pictures, but you need uh, decent vision, you need a decent camera, you need something planned and a strategy in place. Um, <clears throat> I know there's a lot of emphasis now on Instagram, Facebook, probably more Instagram for for the scene. Um, Facebook still has a lot of potential in terms of targeting audiences. People don't quite realize that even though the organic reach isn't massive, you can put seven bucks a day on Instagram on on an ad with with a targeted audience. It can actually reach quite a few people. Uh, I've done that for clients. Some of the things have gone viral. Wow. And with minimal uh, spend. So Facebook should still be looked at, Instagram. <clears throat> also blogs, the internet. Uh, there's been a shift towards Instagrammers, but I still think while um, well, people are going on Google, and I've done articles for clients that page one Google, and they just get hits every day, in some cases year after year. Wow. Rather than just one Instagram post that might last 24 hours or something.
0: I've been surprised I've taken photos of cafes just put them on Google Maps and I'll get an email from Google a month later saying your photo has been seen 10,000 times like yeah, wow. it's yeah. it's quite quite amazing so and that's probably from web searches as well as phone yeah yeah this is great stuff like I'm um, I think we should probably transcribe this uh, <laughs> content <laughs> and uh, and uh, and email it back to you cuz I I think wow. it's it's so incredible um, are there any issues uh, that you've seen cafes, like problems that, they've, and, you know, that, that you keep seeing recurring again and again? Like should cafes change their menu every six months just as a rule of thumb? Um, do, is there anything that where cafes get stuck?
1: Yeah, I think cafes should change up their menu. I mean, don't have to completely change it, but be, you're looking at it all the time. You're assessing it all the time. And often cafes sort of say they're seasonal, sustainable local produce. But if you're seasonal, wouldn't you change your, your uh, yes. menu a little bit every season? <laughs> that sort of makes sense. But, uh, yeah, so you might introduce uh, some new dishes. Um, you know, you might have um, some sort of Benedict dish and you might change that up every few months or, I don't know, just because people come along, they have certain favourite dishes, but they, they like to try something new as well. And so you don't want to keep a menu just fixed forever. Um So, yeah, change I think cafes need to be flexible. An example of that, even in the coffee scene, um, a friend of mine from the United States visited Melbourne recently, and his first first impression of Melbourne was he went into a great cafe in Melbourne. He'd heard a lot about Melbourne cafe scene, so he was pretty pumped and primed. He asked for a latte with half soy, half almond. And... uh, the abuse that he got, oh. was, the, he almost got punched up. I mean, wow. they basically shouted in his face and they went out the back, had a discussion, came back and just lectured this guy on how you can't have half soy, half almond. I mean, he'd be having this every day in America. He'd be having
0: a half decaf, half caffeinated soy, <laughs> almond. It, it is a problem. But My brother went to New York for a good yeah, decade, yeah. lived in New York New York yeah. for 10 years and he was able to get you know close to a litre of high-quality filter coffee for, you know, $3. Yeah. And now he comes back to Melbourne and he's got to order five Long Blacks to get a litre of coffee to cost him, you know, 50 bucks. <laughs> so yeah. so we, we do need to yeah. be, a bit, be a bit flexible.
1: I think flexible. I mean, some baristas, it's a bit too precious. I mean, <clears throat> it doesn't, it's not just the coffee industry. I, I talk to some of Melbourne's top bartenders and their take is just give the customer what they want. If they want <clears throat> an amazing whiskey with Coke, you might say, what the hell are they doing? No, give, give the customer what they want. Same with coffee. If they want half soy, half almond, it's a bit of a hassle. my way to make it, but that's what the customer wants. They're happy. Make it. They're happy. They come back. Um, but yeah, this was this guy's first. And they said to my friend from America, look, we'll make it this once, but never again. You are never to step into this cafe again. And <sighs> It's like, come on. That's over the top. It's like the coffee Nazi or something. So... Um, Yeah, I just think um, that can extend to other things like a bit of flexibility, a bit of um, the customer's right. Even on social media, some people complain on social media. The worst thing you can do is pick a fight and escalate it and just call them idiots and you might have to stand your ground. But I think sometimes cafe owners are a bit unwise in their social media response to criticism. They can avoid um, blow-ups and crazy situations just by implementing a good strategy online. And diffuse a lot of situations that mm. can get out of control and give the cafe a bad name. Um, just throwing that out there, but uh,
0: that's really great. This is all such amazing um, stuff. Thank you. Are there any success strategies? Like, uh, no, we've asked that, but with your business and mentoring cafes, is there a success story? Someone, you don't have to use the name, but is there, you know, a, an example of something that's gone really well?
1: Yeah, look, there's quite a few stories. Feel free
0: to <laughs> drop names. <laughs> i not
1: sure if I should drop names, but yeah, I've had some clients where... Um, they basically told me their profits gone up quite a bit, which is at the end of the day, that's pretty much what you're looking for. It's good when you get some uh, assistance with social media and different things. So yeah, they're, they're basically their profits gone up quite a bit, um, and you know their level of business. Um, at, at the same time, some cafes will say, oh, it's all based on social media and what you do," but it's not, um, because obviously you don't have control over the menu and some of these other things. All I'm doing is promoting what they do. So. Some people have a bit of an unreal expectation of what social media... I mean, you have to have a good product in the first place and you have to be uh, willing to change and adopt uh, sound strategies. Um, But uh, yeah, look, I've had um, a lot of social media that's gone viral. um, And uh, I mean, even places that I visit that aren't my clients. um, Yeah, I've had a lot of success stories of clients. Some of them have been with me for a couple of years or more. Um, but even some of these places that are unheralded that I visit, like one the other day, an Indian restaurant in Peran that's just opened. Uh, went there, promoted them, and suddenly, um, you know, there's, there's a great activity there. There was one that uh, went all the way out to Point Cook to a Thai place. He said he had his best week in business ever uh, after we visited. <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah, so... And can um, you f- measure where that comes from? Oh, just his just his turnover. Most um, and from said ads? Was from the website? He said or... he was starting to look for a new house. I said, look, mate, you might want to wait more than... A, week. <laughs> a <week. laughs> No, but it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, I think uh, social media does play a big role. Um, and so um, yeah, even some of the press releases I've done have gone into the papers and things like that. Um, I've got high profile people visit certain cafes and restaurants and that's made a bit of a difference. Some of them have got written up overseas. I've written uh, articles for overseas, well-known overseas newspapers and publications, and right. magazines, um, and featured some Melbourne institutions, and that's given them great publicity in- internationally. So, yeah, I've had a lot of success stories, um, but I'm aware that the scene keeps changing, so we've got to keep, keep evolving.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit broader um, what's happening in Melbourne? Melbourne's not only known as a coffee city, like it's almost a burger city and a vegan city and a a beer city at the moment, fashion, sports. Um, You cover all of those topics on The World Loves Melbourne. What else is going on, or what else is Melbourne known for?
1: Well, it's the world's most livable city, livable and lovable. It's uh, sensational. <laughs> man. All the time you're speaking with people that traveled around the world, but gee, Melbourne's good. You hear that a lot. Um, and I've traveled to over 40 countries, and uh, I could live in different cities, but Melbourne has a lot going for it, let's face it. Um, I mean, you know, isn't it the live music capital of the world? There's always, you know, there might be a world-class artist in town, but it's not just one. There could be three that weekend. Mm. There's festivals every five minutes. Probably oversubscribed as well. Is there any festival we haven't done yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's now a smashed avocado festival. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, which is cool. But, uh, yeah, Melbourne's got it going on. Great. scene, uh, sports-wise, obviously, uh, it's also a sports capital of the world. Um but in terms of restaurants, um, the fact that we had the World 50 Best Restaurant Awards here in Melbourne um, was uh, a couple of years ago. Now, um, was massive because they'd only ever had it um, in London and I think New York up till then. Wow, London, New York, Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, so That's basically, yeah. and we, we have a couple of restaurants in the world's top 50. At Attica and, and Bray, which is outside of Melbourne, but in the countryside. But uh, you know, that was a massive turning point. Um, Tourism Australia got heavily involved and it was basically saying to the world Melbourne is a serious foodie destination and um, we already knew we were but um, a lot of people I've talked to some top chefs in the world actually and they will say um, somewhere like high-end dining somewhere like London would be an amazing city Melbourne's pretty good but it's in that kind of middle section where Melbourne really shines I mean we have great restaurants in all aspects of cuisine you know Italian Melbourne does Italian well Greek thai etc as well as modern australian and um a lot of restaurants now using the native indigenous ingredients but um melbourne really shines whatever cuisine you want you'll find some shiny examples of it and uh, a great standard across the board and uh yeah just the level of produce that people have access to here that a lot of people will say that um i was talking to a guy who's uh, an indian chef who's cooked in top restaurants in india he said he felt the new indian food was possibly even better here because we have access to the most amazing projects. And I think a lot of people have sort of alluded to that, that yeah, just the, the, the location, the scene here and the access to produce is just, uh, even wine, top world-class wines, it's just so conducive to um, a great foodie scene. And Melbourne's, Melbournians love to get out there and, and eat. They love to go to sport. We don't just stay in our homes by the log fire. Even in winter, we venture out and uh, hit the laneways, it was, it's just uh, an engaging, buzzing city. So.
0: Oh, this is great. I want to move to Melbourne. I'm glad nice I live fun. here. <laughs> nice uh, is there anything you want to promote from your business perspective? Like should people visit your website or your blog or are there any, any clients of y- yours you want to promote or anything you want to say?
1: Um, yeah, look, I just provide a uh, service in social media um, and just promoting. Uh, cafes and restaurants, even wineries. Um, And so, yeah, I take a lot of pride in photography as well. I've got a pretty good camera and I understand the value of uh, the visual. Uh, My my rates are fairly reasonable. You see me come under the rates of typical PR agency. Um, And I have good connections in the city. Um, But, uh, yeah, the world loves Melbourne. It's been going strong. i have won awards and things like that but uh, we're evolving. We have packages for cafes, restaurants, wineries, et cetera. um, And they can sign up for us for three or six months or something like that, and then see how you go. But as I say, a number of clients have been with me for a while, but also looking to do new things, maybe some events, things like that coming up. So uh, yeah, I feel excited about the future. Uh, I've also got, things going in a few other cities as well so I'm looking forward to developing those things but uh loving Melbourne right now
0: that's great I have one last question if if you were traveling to Bali or New York or or Jakarta and someone said you've got to try this Melbourne cafe there's this barista from Melbourne or there's this you know, because you find that there are these Melbourne cafes in Paris and Melbourne cafes in New York. What If you walked into a cafe that was meant to be an example of what we've done here and inspired by our culture, what would you expect to see?
1: Yeah, well, there are a number of Melbourne sort of style cafes overseas. And I it's pretty funny. I've, I've run into people overseas that rave about Melbourne and, and, and it'll be... Uh, I saw that. Was that six degree of separation? Like, so I was in Canada recently... Um, on the Nimo Island and I went to a, um, a grand hotel in Victoria, Canada and the chef came out and spoke to me and said, Oh, they'd just been doing a stint in Melbourne. And did I know this person, that person? Yeah. And we started talking about it all. You get quite a few of those examples <laughs> when you, when you travel. But uh, I think um, our cafe culture is, is, is ahead of the head of the pack. Um, so people are, cause you, you go to America, you don't get that kind of cafe culture. You get a strong coffee culture, but you don't get the surrounding cafe aspect that we have here, and so you're seeing more of these places open up um, with that, yeah, that kind of um, the food, um, that kind of brunchy, brunchy yeah speciality that Melbourne brings. Uh, maybe an all-day menu, um, so specialty brunch dishes where, where people don't sort of focus on that much. But if you go to Singapore, I was looking for cafes in Singapore, I didn't find too many that had sort of brunch brunch speciality like Melbourne. Um, and of course, when you go overseas, like London, you just see um, coffee chains everywhere. Whereas I think there's there's a lot of potential to bring that Melbourne signature to some of these cities. Uh, people can break out from their chain chain uh, addiction, whatever that is.
0: <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much for your time, David. And uh, thank uh,
1: you, thank you, Jonathan.
0: Anything else you want to say, or <laughs> all good?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's all good. I think. Uh, See you, in the, see you in one of the Melbourne cafes. <laughs> Sounds-
0: Thank you once again, listening to the Melbourne Coffee Culture Podcast. Please do subscribe and let your friends know about the podcast. We promise sound quality and uh, all those sorts of things will improve over time as you bring listeners. When we get to a thousand listeners, we're going we're gonna to go crazy tech.